0: Welcome to the One Foot Down podcast. I'm your host Joshua Voles, Siteman, Supreme Warlord, and uh, just ready to go here tonight. And got Jude Seymour on the other line, and then just a it's a tag team duo tonight. Uh, say hello, Jude.
1: Happy Valentine's Day, Josh.
0: Is it Valentine's Day? Is it yes.
1: Or maybe I should be telling your wife Happy Valentine's Day. Is that, is that is that crossing a line?
0: This is too. Two married guys. Do we know what Valentine's Day is really about?
1: I think it's all about um, you know female empowerment. Uh, you know, women look at sticking up for women. Uh, the opposite of basically what Carrie Underwood did to
0: uh, Jessica Spitana, I think. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a great example. And she tried to turn it on Jessica. Like, man, that was that was awful.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, a man. And, 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 in that, in that example, I was team Jess all the way. so
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Jessica's got our full support. Yeah, what a ridiculous thing that was. I, I'm totally caught off guard by you mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that was some crap. So, all right, well, hey fans, we got um, I think this is the last time we talked to you, we've, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of little bits of Notre Dame News. And so, uh, you know, we're going to try to cover all that and uh, do what we got. So we're, we're a little short-handed tonight. We, norm- we had been rolling with a three-man crew and then an add-on. And I just want to remind everybody again that we are literally just trying to get this podcast off the ground as far as taking over from Wes and Martin. So we are still gradually moving along our way. But we ask if you're listening to please provide some feedback. If there's something that you don't like, there's something you like, please go into whatever podcast machine you use and rate and review, whatever you can do to let us know. Cause if you tell me to change something, I'm a people pleaser. I'm probably going to change it. So, you know, if you want to see more, uh, more or less than there's a the good thing. Although I do take quite a bit of offense. I don't know about you, Jude, but I take a little bit of offense to people that, that put it as on blast because we're talking about something other than football. Like we're talking about women's basketball or hockey or, or, or just men's basketball.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm tr- I'm tremendously proud of the work that um, you know, Pat and his team are doing uh covering basketball this year. You know, Brad's certainly being involved in that. Um, you know, the 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 men's basketball team is not having the year that I think we all would want them to have. Um, but that doesn't mean they're they're not deserved coverage. And so um I'd ha- I'm happy even though I don't follow the men's basketball team as as much as other people, I'm happy to listen to the discussion and participate where, where possible. So I think we'll, we'll still talk about uh, basketball and, you know, probably uh, lesser sports. I, I'd love to have Zach on sometime to talk about the men's lacrosse team.
0: Yeah. You know, and here's my suggestion for those that, that only want to listen to stuff about Notre Dame football. Like technology is pretty fascinating nowadays. There is a fast forward <laughs> on literally on, in the palm of your hands. <laughs> you can change the amount of seconds that go by. So, you know, if we go through like a 20, minute, 30-minute 20, segment about football, and then all of a sudden we're talking about women's lacrosse, you can stop. Or you can fast forward to like towards the end where there's going to be some more football stuff probably thrown in. It's pretty amazing. And you know what? And it, it makes your day productive because you're not wasting time listening to me talk about stuff that I think is cool that you don't. So just, just, a, little, just a little advice Little, little tip, you know, for me to you. So, uh,
1: also listen, listen to us at uh, two speed. I think we sound like chipmunks. It's pretty awesome.
0: That's got to sound awful. <laughs> I don't, I do not recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into this, let's
1: get into this uh, commit that committed today. I, I can't say yeah. the last name, so I can't wait for you to do it.
0: Oh, God. I, I had it queued up somewhere just so I, I, can, I had a visual. So, but oh wait! I don't. Aiden, uh,
1: K ke-ana-ina.
0: ke-ana-ina. a n a i n a, K a n a i n a, K a n a i n a, K a n a i n a. Aiden, K a n a i K a n a i n a na. Big Kahuna, That's big, what kahuna. This
1: guy
0: big Kahuna, big so Kahuna. The, the guy's coming in with a nickname, and look, when you have a name with that many vowels, it is going your nickname is going to stick. I mean, I, it, it's legit. So And, and the, the name seems pretty fit. I mean, the guy's, what, 6'3", 292 pounds? Um, I, he was a pretty unsurprising wow. commitment for the last couple uh, couple weeks. You've seen the crystal balls come in on 24-7, and everyone was pretty confident he was leaning Notre Dame's way. And then once, especially once uh, they started announcing, like, a, like they're going to have an announcement, like a decision day, and they haven't really took <laughs> all these other visits and all that. You kind of know where these things are going to end up at. So, yeah, always nice to be Ohio State for um, a commit
1: no matter where he's from. Um, we don't do that as much as uh, obviously Notre Dame fans would hope for. So I know that Ohio State and Florida were uh, down in his top three along with Notre Dame. So uh, that's great. And uh, he, yeah, had that's an, a good he, he had an offer from Michigan as well. So we beat Harbaugh again.
0: Again, one more time. So yeah, and you know, it's a it's a big commit in a lot of ways because of that. Exactly that. We you beat out some, you know, Florida, Ohio State, Michigan in a sense. But I mean they if you think about the problems that our name had and the not really the recent past, but there's a general narrative and it has been a, a defensive line, lack of talent along the defensive line. They've had some great players here and there, don't don't get it twisted. But I think they're really building more than quality depth. Like, you look at look at the uh, t- the defensive end situation we have now, you know, they're really sitting like three deep on both sides heading into the season. And that's really amazing when you think about what where they were sitting at, you know, not too many years ago. Um, they took a lot of projects along the way, and some have, you know, and most of them have not panned out. A guy like a Colin Hill or a Johnny Williams. Um, oh, man, you know, yeah. You know, going after that body type. But even a guy like um, Ade Ogundeji, you know, he... He was that. He's part of that project area. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we're gonna take this kid. He's athletic. He's got the frame. And when he comes in, he really—he's generally a very productive football player. And he's got a lot of—he's got some a lot of eligibility left. So that's—he's like following like the Julian Aquara, you know, path. You know, so if he takes that kind of trajectory, you know, they're sitting good. And that's a DN. So inside a defensive tackle and Aiden here, he's the big Kahuna. He's he's gonna be probably he's gonna be playing a, a nose, you know. So if, if you think about like what Jonathan Bonner is doing, what Byron uh, Tucker Viola Amosa, uh, Mr. MTA is sitting out that doing. That's more yeah, I do no, 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 I guess I guess that's Heinisch. Heinisch is in in that spot. So he, he's sitting more of a nose. Um, but you bring him in, and tw- you look at 2020's numbers. And Notre Dame in twenty twenty is looking about to be like three deep, you know, depending upon what happens with, J- Jamion Franklin and, and his uh, his health. And this is the exact um, exact spot that Franklin plays. So they're really building a a strong core on the defensive side on that line. And I mean, you got you have to be excited about that, don't you think?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely. And um, uh, you you mentioned Ade Ogundeje, and I think the um, you know letting him. Take the years to to build his body up and letting him develop uh, has really started to pay off. And I thought he had I thought he had a great game against Clemson. Um, and I actually when uh, the fellow from Germany, uh, Alexander Ehrensberger, I guess I would say Ehren, uh,
0: you got to say it with some flair,
1: Ehrensberger. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, when he uh, committed, I, I felt the same way about him, which is like, uh, you, well, first of all, you, it's a huge. He's got great height, six seven, uh, but he's two thirty eight, right? List is two thirty eight. So put some pounds on that kid and um, and build him up, maybe like Ade, and and all of a sudden you got a force to be reckoned with on the on the outside. And um, I really think that uh, I'm happy. I'm happy about both of these recent commitments. I, I think it's a uh, it's a step in the right direction.
0: I I think the force to be reckoned with really is going to be who in the hell is going to be pronouncing all these names a few years. I mean, just the wicked way in which we were trying to pronounce this kid's last name, and we, we probably butchered it horribly, even thinking that we did a good job at it. And then you throw in a kid like, you know, Nada Osafa Mensa, there's a lot of ends floating around there. Then Equinu, well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of vowels on the defense. And so there, there's going to be some tongue twists going on.
1: <laughs> absolutely and you know and and i think that podcasters are are good about shortcuts like saying mta um you know but we we have we can't even get continuity on things that should be easy uh you hear such uh, as uh a low high instead of a low he gilman that's a low uh, he isn't it yeah it's a low he yep um yeah Elise Mac. Oh my God. My, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Just even having to say it out loud like that. Um, it, you know, I, I don't, Mike tarico has got it in. Uh, he's got, he's got a real, a challenge ahead of him uh, with all these guys coming out through the pipeline that are uh, Polynesian or Hawaiian, but uh, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great problem to have. It's an absolute great problem to have. So I hope he's a huge stud <laughs> and we have to say big kahuna 58,000 times.
0: And, you know, you, and you mentioned a Polynesian. I, I, I think we have to say it. You know, Wes and I did a podcast. It might have been two signing days ago. And, and uh, I can't remember exactly uh, what it, it might have been right after signing day. But we, we were sitting there. Our premise of the whole podcast was about recruiting. But we were just like, bring us the Polynesians. Like, let's go get these kids. Like, we, 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 have, we personally have become, have become like, enamored with the amount of talent. And the sheer vastness—I mean, like the entire Pacific Ocean, like the west coast of the United States—like there's so much talent that you can consider Polynesian blood. They got great names. I I, there's there's and you know not to get too uh, you know too PBS on everybody here, but the culture surrounding just Polynesian people in itself. You know, we talked a lot about you know a lot about it when uh, when was at Notre Dame. Was you know the close community that they have, you know, th- just like the moral center they have, and I'm not talking about you know goody two shoes. I'm just talking about like the whole idea about team and brotherhood and and doing the things you know for you know the things that they preach every day in the weight room. And some of those things, I, I for us, I I feel like they like fall not fall on deaf ears, but they they bounce off me so quickly because all of it sounds like coach speak, or you know you just hear it so much that you know it doesn't affect you as much, but you know, when they talk about brotherhood, playing, playing for each other and all that, They, I mean, they really mean it. And that kind of culture has been preaching that to their kids from, you know, from birth. It, there's a buy in there that I, you know, that that uh, that you like to see that really, I think, helps the team. So I'm all about it. I mean, I, I, I can't be more excited about about getting a kid like this. And, you know, let's get some more of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, one of my favorite moments from from last year was uh, a Mike Miller photograph of uh, Robbie Toma, Manti Te'o, and Alohi Gilman, uh, you know, arm in arm singing the alma mater together after the Michigan win. So absolutely, uh, I mean, the win over Michigan. I want to be clear about that: that Michigan did not did not in any way beat us, uh, and we will talk about that later. But um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, well,
0: yeah. Well, we have we have Michigan on our mind. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a, that's a great point that those pictures, and th- those are some great pictures, by the way, Mike Miller did a fantastic job for us this year. That um, just went above and beyond anything I could ever hope for, honestly. So thank you, Mike, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it, it's pretty powerful stuff. And, and you're right. That, that if you look at that, like they were, you know, like coming together, they were all, wearing, I think a lot of them were in um, shirts, you know, for Kona, you know, Kona passed away last year and I, I there's just a lot there you know a lot of them come from the same area or the relate. related man there's a lot of relatives all over the country somehow somebody's a cousin and uh i just i just think that's great i mean I, to me yeah, it's- i mean do you remember Mackenzie
1: milton's mom getting interviewed during one of the games um uh, one of the ucf games late in the year i think it was maybe the ac championship or whatever and uh And just the whole every single person in her section was wearing like a a Milton jersey, you know, because she had brought the whole like clan over, basically. Uh, I love it. I love the whole the whole thing that you're talking about.
0: Yeah, that, you know, one of the more iconic images from uh, 2012 uh, was the Michigan win was when, you know, the entire crowd had had delays and they're all, you know, they're all going through the crowd. I mean, that was. You know, you think about, you go, You look back, and now, I mean, that's a long time ago now, 2019 to 2012. But when I think about that season, that's one of the first images that pops up, you know, is the, you know, the support the student body had behind Tao, just in itself, but, you just, that, that stuff right. was just awesome. For the
1: death of his grandmother, not for the death yeah, of
0: Yeah, yeah, but no, but... <laughs> and I wouldn't even say that. I think, listen, I want to make sure that this is said about a hundred times a year, but outside of all that stuff, Tayo was one of the most loved student athletes while he was at Notre Dame that has ever walked the, that campus. And I spoke, I, I literally heard this from Jack Swarbrick himself. Uh, in 2012, I was, I was in the boxing um, against the game against Purdue and everybody was talking about Tao. We were all right there. And just what everybody spoke about him being a person and on campus and I mean just anybody you talked to talked about the level of person he was and then he goes out there and he produces a season like that so all the other shit aside you know whatever but there was no I he it's hard to find someone who was that universally liked and loved on that campus than him so all everybody else is a bunch of fucking haters um we will move on. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a
1: list that starts with dead spin at the top, but the we very, will, we could talk another 20 minutes about that, but we probably should talk about something a little bit more recent.
0: We should move on. So, but, um, but, you know, please check out the site for you know, recruiting coverage where I got stuff on there about our scholarship numbers, about uh, the 2020 class itself. And we'll have some more stuff coming up and all that. So it's with the early signing period in December you have to remember that timelines are moved up. This isn't as early of a commitment as, you know, a, as you used to be in the past. This is, this is more like a summer commitment. Um, you know, in how it used to work. These guys can take official visits in the spring now. So this stuff, all your whole timelines are moved up. This is a kid that is definitely going to be somebody who I'm 99.9% sure is going to sign in December, you know, so, these timelines move up, these classes fill up, and it's these kind of kids that, that you know, are pretty firm. I mean, this isn't, this isn't somebody you're going to suspect you know, that, that cuts out. So that's what we have for recruiting today. Now, moving on to, uh, to the school we, have, we just keep mentioning. I mean, we can't <laughs> stop ourselves from talking about Michigan. <laughs>
1: This is now a brew
0: podcast. Oh, God. I'm going to have to take a shower. We're done. <laughs> like, I, I just got, you know what? I just got a new pumice stone. I get, you know, you just got to get in there and just, just scrub. Just get all the nastiness off your skin. Like a snake shedding a layer. Man, yeah, man. You, you got to knock it all off. So, but that's what happens when you talk about Michigan. You just you need to go clean yourself. So but, we had a
1: hockey game against Michigan. And I guess the punchline here is not only did we beat Michigan, and I say we, even though I'm not on the hockey team, Notre Dame beat Michigan, uh, but Brian Kelly was at the game, and they interviewed Brian Kelly on the, the big screen, the Jumbotron, and he made a couple of jokes at, uh, at Michigan's expense.
0: I mean, BK Trollmaster, this is the Brian Kelly that you get. Like, this is happy Brian Kelly, you know, when he, when he throws out these, these little troll comments. And he usually only does it at the media. So this was pretty fantastic. So he he said, uh, and paraphrasing here, but to the effect of, it was halfway through the game, and he mentioned uh, that they hadn't scored, just like Michigan football hadn't scored halfway through the game. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, he's, I mean, what's that? What's that tell you? First, let me ask you this: What's that tell you about Brian Kelly's swagger and his confidence in himself and what they've done against Michigan? does that speak, I mean, does, does it say anything, I guess?
1: I, I mean, I think it's just another reminder that he's a sneaky, funny guy. Um, I, I don't think he's like, uh, you know, five minutes of tight uh, material uh, stand-up guy. But I think that he um, has a few well-placed jabs. And sometimes that comes out in his press conferences. Sometimes they're more like uh, jokes my dad would tell that would make me roll my eyes. Um, and then Hashtag he would kind of, jokes. <laughs> then he would kind of beg for, uh, people to laugh at him, which always got hella awkward, but, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I think, you know, I think when, you know, given an opportunity to, uh, poke the bear, that is the rival, not rival uh Michigan, uh, you know, Brian Kelly stepped up and I, I'm,
0: I'm, I'm proud of him. Yeah. Know? I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Cause that, cause that's definitely a moment for, uh for a rivalry and i'm just gonna say it I, I'm, I'm i guess i'm so tired of the debate look we we fucking hate them they fucking hate us it, it is what it is all right it, whether we not whether we play each other every year or not and i think that we should play at least six times a decade be night nice, I'm, I'm done saying don't play them play them please it's just it's too it's too much fun too, there's too much good stuff that comes from it, whether, whether you want to admit it or not. But I'm glad that Brian Kelly stepped up to the moment of a rivalry like that to deliver what is, supposed to, what is good about college football. It, it, it is exactly that. You, you, don't see, you don't see him jabbing USC like that. At least I don't, I don't recall him jabbing USC like that. So, and I, and he, he really owns USC, really. I mean, at least he's... As much, or more so than he does Michigan.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, look, Michigan's, Michigan's got a great hockey team. They're in the same conference as Notre Dame, Big Ten, in yeah, so, hockey or whatever. So, so this dirt. is, you know, yeah, this is um, this is a legit rivalry for hockey as well as as, as football. Um, I agree with you. Um, you know, I was looking at the 2019 schedule. I think it was Rakes and Mallet was talking about, you know, if there's two, to be two losses on the schedule, like who do you, who do you want to lose to? And if you and if if your answer is well I don't want to lose to Michigan, then I think that you've answered your own question about whether or not you consider them a rival. You know, I think that the hate burns in my heart. I don't want to lose to USC either. Um but uh given, you know, given my druthers, it's a it's a hard pick, right? I mean Georgia feels like the one that's like, okay, well we're supposed to lose to Georgia. So, okay, it is what it is. That's one of the losses or whatever. So would you rather commit yourself to the dumb loss and beat, um, you know, Michigan and USC knowing that a loss to six and six uh,
0: Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. yeah. See, we're on the same page. is it going to first... doom you. <laughs> um, so if we're going to lose to Virginia now because that's what everybody's <laughs> like. Well, you know, let's just throw that name out. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, Virginia Tech has been a little house of horrors. Uh, you know, in 2016, we blew a, a, a pretty big lead. So, and,
0: and it was closer than than the score indicated for a lo- for a while there in Blacksburg. I mean it was it wasn't a it wasn't a blowout by any means until yeah, yeah before Junior Dexter Underday Williams
1: you know runs what it was at ninety seven yards for a touchdown yeah that I was think the,
0: that... that was the breather that was when you you could like take a deep breath because yeah.
1: it started to feel like okay we can do this right but I, I think at halftime the collective uh, fan base at least the ones that, on Twitter that I was talking to was kind of still very nervous about how that game was going, so.
0: Well, uh, Notre Dame fans are quivering. <laughs> quivering <laughs> anyways, I mean, I'll I'm, I'm be included in that. So yeah. Just, don't get it twisted. Right. Uh, but uh, hey, let me add, let me, let's take this back to, uh, to BK for a second in the comments. Yeah. How would you, like, how would you rate BK in that in area? That I mean, like, Steve Spurrier is, like, one of the, like, classics of all time, right? Like just the way he he throws out a one liner,
1: you know. Oh yeah,
0: you know. Did um, you say Spurrier is like he's like uh, at least on the top on the top tier of those of that pedestal, right?
1: You know. So, so there's different buckets here, right? There's coaches that are, um, they they make headlines because of what they say, like Jim Harbaugh, right? He'll say something and everyone will kind of like. Look at each out. other
0: like, what the fuck is this? Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, because he won't release a you know a depth chart or something crazy like that. But that's that's a certain kind of crazy, and that's different than Lane Kiffin making headlines because he's urging Jennifer Aniston to come to the FAU. You know what I mean? Lane like, Kiffin's
0: making headlines to literally make headlines.
1: Yeah, I mean he he I think he understands, um, you know, that FAU needs a little bit of a a, a media boost, and that there's as long as he keeps it within the bounds of good taste, there really is no bad publicity for his, which, for his, which uh, he did
0: at Tennessee. You know, it, it, this is Tennessee Kiffin. It's at USC Kiffin, Tennessee Kiffin. You know, when he, like when they, the guy, when they bum rushed like the, the meeting room with no shirts on the coaches, I mean, you got Ogeron down there with no shirt on and they're that kind of stuff that, yeah, you're right. Kiff, Kiffin, Kiffin knows the, the crowd he's playing to. Yeah. I I mean, I think the the funny thing,
1: and I I maybe should write an article about this someday, but the the funny thing is, um, you know, Brian Kelly is the son of a politician. He worked on Gary Hart's uh, presidential campaign. So he was he was in the political realm for quite a while. And and as a as a guy who was a former communications director for for politicians, uh, we always talked about optics, right? Things that you say. And the way that you say them, and how you can communicate the same message, um, and one will be a way to antagonize people, and one will be a way to that will be come off as completely neutral. And there's been so many instances of Brian Kelly just self-inflicted errors. I mean, the, yeah, the pedantic, so, uh... <laughs> the pedantic argument about one possession versus one point. I mean, that did that did him absolutely no favor. So that kind of stuff drives me nuts about Brian Kelly because I think to to myself. You should be much better at this than you actually are, but I think there's an emotional factor in there for Brian Kelly, and that sometimes uh for lack of a better term, he gets his Irish up and you know what I mean and, and he allows the 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 tenor of the question to get under his skin, and he gives a Absolutely. flippant answer, which it was then, Irish yeah, and then then it gets uh, put under a microscope, and then he's you know he's got two or three days where he's just it's you know um pat 40 or somebody you know jumping in and saying like disguise you know scumbag or something and it's just you know he could have avoided all those stupid headaches right and so he should be a lot better at this and that's why i love this stuff it's not it's not on message i'm sure you know mike birch isn't like hey well here's what you should say or whatever you know what i mean like he's just he's out of the hockey game he's having a good time he makes a, he makes it a, a, a dig that i think is like a totally fair dig and i think that i think that our you know partners over at maze and brew the comment section you know a lot of the michigan fans are like you know what you beat michigan in football like you should be able to talk some smack like it would make no sense for him to do this if we'd lost if Notre Dame had lost 24 to 17 last year you know or had lost 31 to nothing in 2014 uh, but we you know Notre Dame won those games so he gets with the, uh, with the victors come the spoils,
0: right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you're absolutely. and you're absolutely right, too, about how Kelly has had these gaffes you know, through, in his career. And everyone keeps bringing up, well, he's you know, a politician. And you're like, well, then how the hell is he doing this? You know, it's like you want to have that, that speech with him like you have with your kids. Like, like when your eight-year-old just like destroys a door in your house. And you you know you have that speech and you're like, you should know better, you know better, you know better than that. Like you would, you really would have like take him into the hallway and say that. You know, I was there for that Georgia thing, you know, with Lakin Littman, and I was a little blown away at the tenor. I had asked the question right before Lakin, and he gave me a very not long, but a long-winded answer for what I asked him, and very like concise and to the point. And just, and just to clear this up, too, so if, if somebody who's listening to this didn't, know, didn't hear me say this before or mention an article before, they literally said last question right before Lakin asked. This is a tough loss. He's, he sat there and, took, and answered some tough questions as it was. He's ready to get the F out of there. Post-game Notre Dame is not easy by, for anybody involved. It takes forever is one of the longest things they have to sit through and go through. And so you hear last question, so this is it. And then Lakin stumbles on her question. One of the biggest problems reporters have is they get in there and they try to pontificate before they ask the question. And you know what pisses coaches off the most? When a reporter's sitting there basically trying to tell them the story and without asking a question or taking that long to get to a question. So she's doing all this, and in the meantime, she's stumbling over a question. You know which which happens to everybody. You know they're they're going to stumble over what they're saying. They were they're trying to get it out right, and it comes out a little awkward. They try to correct themselves, and then <laughs> Brian Kelly just gave a human response. He was annoyed and pissed off at the premise, and it was just annoyed and pissed off at the about the game, and because it was who it was and all that, it got out of hand. And I don't know why he can't feel like I have to explain this, but, but again, I feel this like, is, I, feel like this I have is... to explain this. Brian Kelly can be a complete asshole. That's not, that's not fiction. That is absolutely true. That is part of who he is. It's okay. You know, coaches are not priests or, you know, they're not, they're not a super, they don't always have to be these good, you know, Dabo Sweeney is not always so cool. <laughs> you know, when they're, you know, ask him about Clemsoning, a few years ago, he flipped a lid. You know, these guys are not all like robots when it comes to this stuff. There's there's human moments involved, and Brian Kelly gets caught up in the human moment. And I, th- going back to our original point, I think that stuff like this that when they asked him at the hockey game and he gave that answer, I think that's just perfect. That's an absolute. That's a that's a coach chilling out, gets a question and throws it out there, and it's it's the perfect time to do something like that for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot to be said, but also probably we've. I mean, we've made this point, and I think people understand this point about Brian Kelly. You know, and you it's, it's it's, it's a lot. Him. It's a lot easier for him when he's winning. Um, it's a lot easier for any coach, but it's definitely a lot. It's definitely
0: a lot easier. Except for Nick Saban, for Brian. Nick Saban does not like to win. <laughs> he does not. I. Th- you know, he doesn't like to win big, even yeah. though he like has no problem running up to score eighty points. But he, he wants to go into the locker room and kill somebody. Uh, and God bless him. I mean, I got, I got no problems with someone like Saban because he is, you know, you, and this is kind of a little bit off top, but topic, but not really. But you know who Nick Saban really is? Do you know who he is? He is Frank Leahy incarnate. Think about it. Think about how Leahy treated every, you know, and I wasn't alive back then. But I <laughs> But I've read a ton about Leahy because I've always been mesmerized by, you know, I've been c- kind of attracted to the way his coaching style, like the way it physically deteriorated his body, like h- his obsession was so deep and his results in the field were so great. You wanted to know why he did what he did. And when you, when you read about Leahy, and you, you just, when you find out this obsession and the, how the smallest things would just send him into a, you know, to a frenzy. And he, he's literally talking about players going to hell for fumbles. And he believed it. I mean, I think he really believed they needed to go to confession for screwing up on the football field. I think that's – and that's what Sa- next Saban reminds me of. I mean, I, it's that kind of obsession and passion for the game, for perfection, that you just don't get in every coach. Because it's a hard thing. It, it, you have to win for that to, co- to be, be right. Yeah. If, if you're like that on a losing football team, you've lost your football team. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I, think, Brian, I think Brian Kelly, not to get hyperbolic here, but he is on that kind of level. And has, I think what we've had to see over the years, the evolution of Brian Kelly, is coming down from that level a little bit because he hadn't been able to back it up on the field to that point as much so you, you can't do things the same way. You know, if Nick Saban puts Alabama and goes coaches at Kansas, you think he's going to do this, things the same way in practice? No. It, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different ball game. So I don't even know what the hell my point was. But I, I, had, I, <laughs> I, I had to get that across because I thought about that the other day about Leahy and Saban. I'm like, you know, I'm like, them two were the like real close.
1: Very interesting.
0: All right, so let's move on to the, really to the biggest story of the week, honestly. Um, Javon McKinley arrested early morning hours. There wasn't a whole lot of information when it first came out, like a lot of times when these incidents happen. And then later on in the day, we, we, we got more details about what happened. Um, Jude, do you want to give us a, a, just a quick recap of, of, of what went down? Absolutely. Um,
1: Javon McKinley was coming back from someplace place. Uh, via Uber uh, early morning hours of Sunday, uh, the Uber driver called South Bend Police, I, I apologize, Notre Dame Police, um, to alert them to the fact that um, he was intoxicated and and then therefore passed out. So heavily intoxicated, he was passed out. So uh, the police came to revive him, and it sounded like, to be honest with you, just based on the limited information we have from the from the probable cause affidavit, um, they were trying to do the good guy thing, which is trying to get him back to his dorm, uh, even though he was he was uh, completely blotto. At some point, um, he must have realized the situation that he was in—that two officers were uh, escorting him—and uh, probably, in his you know allegedly drunken stupor, um, freaked out about that and uh, and became combative. And it's a real unfortunate situation because I I think, um, you know, when we talk about players who are underage and who are drinking, you know, certainly uh, that's problematic. But it sounds like Javon McKinley might have done probably the second best thing he could have done. I think the best thing he could have done is stay wherever he was. If he was drinking at a friend's house, you know, crash on the floor. Uh, But he got an Uber home. He didn't try to drive. We're thankful for that.
0: Yeah, I think that's more commendable. I think people that that is being overlooked. Not to say that any, not to like, not to interrupt you either, but I want to make sure that people understand that they, that's that's a good thing. Let, let, let's let in a bad story. Let's pull out a few of the good things. The good thing is, is he didn't try to drive while intoxicated. He did exactly what you're supposed to do, and that's get a ride. And the and the things went sour, but at least there's not. An accident or an accidental death those things can build into a massive deal very quickly, so now, I think that, so, that, that needs to be some you know give thank him for that you know right
1: so the allegation is that he, the the officers sustained injury or suffered injury a, as a result of his being combative, so obviously that that too is is not a good thing um, i I guess I was it's, it's a weird feeling to feel encouraged by something, but the preliminary charge against him was a felony. Uh, it's now been uh, converted to two misdemeanors. So he actually has a total of three misdemeanors, including the, um, uh, the imbibing while underage uh, charge. Um, if, he had, if he had been charged with a felony, uh, this, is, this goes the way of, of, of Max Redfield. And I believe Devin Butler, although somebody might correct me on that, uh, definitely Max Redfield, which is... Um, that's are right for about this, Butler. Yeah, that's that's grounds for dismissal from the university. And uh, we had talked in the last podcast about uh, we were under the understanding that McKinley is is close to getting all of his credits that he needs to earn his degree. Um, You know, certainly, uh, uh, you know, a felony and being separated from campus makes that harder. Uh, Max Redfield was able to um, finish his degree and get his degree, albeit a year later than he had planned to um, or possibly two years later. He got in 2018. I don't know if he was going to be due in 2016, but nevertheless. um, So he's he's facing three charges. He's back in court uh, February 28th. So a couple of weeks from now, uh, you know, we'll have a we'll have a sense of where this is going in terms of, you know, the initial usually initially they plead not guilty. And then there's uh, some wheeling and dealing that's done. As far as we know, there's been no prior uh, contact or bad uh, dealings with police. He has no prior criminal record that we're aware of. Um, so this is, you know, this may be his first defense. And so there could be uh, an opportunity to plea this down.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, in Indiana, they, the, more likely they'll do a pretrial diversion. Not to fast forward to everything, but if you have no priors at all, and it's misdemeanors, it's almost automatic where the they'll, they'll send it, you'll do a pretrial diversion program. So he'll, he'll go through a program, which is basically like probation, um, uh, and you, once you complete that Coney uh, is one that just did that. And once you do that, then the, the charges basically sit there like on hold the whole time. And right. then if you go through the program, they get thrown out Then They get expunged, right? Yeah. 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 yeah it's, it's like they never
1: existed. Right.
0: So that's, so, that's more likely that's, that's the route. And so that's, that's why you're so thankful that a, he's never been in trouble before that we know of, I, but I, I'm pretty sure if we, the way, and the way that there, people have been spinning this, because one of the cops was female, and so a lot of the headlines that came out half a day or a day later about McKinley's arrest was that Javon, Notre Dame football player, hits female cop. They made right. sure they threw in the word female quite a bit. Right. So, um, and I noticed that after we had, had a little message back and forth. I, I just jumped on the Google machine for a minute, and I noticed that just quite a number of articles that put that. So all that aside, he has no they, – they would have dug up something if he had something prior just to make him sound more sinister. So I'm pretty confident he has nothing. So the, getting a drop from a felony to a misdemeanor was ridiculously important because now if he just basically does what he's been doing for most of his life and not getting in trouble, then you know, it's, it disappears. Right. So now, I think, that, I think here's, the best – uh, go for it. No, I, I, I guess I just want to you know kind of move on a little bit with him and just you know because last podcast we brought up McKinley's name quite a bit about getting number I don't know two podcasts ago or whatever but you know about scholarship numbers and and every example that we used of you know well maybe so and so my McKinley's name came up uh, a number of times so I guess I'm trying to figure out what this does. With his status, what, what you hate to see here is a mutual decision between him and Brian Kelly in the university about him that he wanted to transfer. Because I, I believe he graduates um, in June. I, I, someone, I saw that somewhere, I thought. Anyways, it doesn't even matter if that's the case. But, but if he wants well, to transfer out, you would hate to see, A, a narrative of, of him leaving and people using this as a reason why. When it was that he wanted to try to, you know, do something else or or do something to better himself. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think the I think the best outcome is that he is he is close to graduating here, and then he could basically go the Corey Holmes route and use his final two years of eligibility at another at another school, or I guess in Corey's case, two schools. But um, you know, I think it's time three that, schools. Uh, Well, including the original school, sure. Um, I think it's time (laughs) that Javon McKinley realizes that um, between this and his playing time and getting passed up with Kevin Austin last year, uh, there's really no path, great path back onto the field for him. And so I I want this to be a get your degree um, and and go ball out somewhere else and and have a good time um, and, and get a fresh start. You know, because I think I think that's what's needed at this point. I think he needs to uh, do whatever the courts require of him to do. Um, You know, obviously, he's innocent until proven guilty uh, or till he pleads guilty. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, you know, I think he just needs to follow what the courts need him to do. And they can transfer anything to another state if he needs to. And he needs to just have a fresh start at at a new university. And uh, hopefully, you know, get more playing time and and chase, continue to chase his ambitions for uh, the NFL and beyond. But he'll have that degree in hand, which is which is going to be a huge start. And I'm not saying that he couldn't transfer without the degree, but the degree makes everything just so much easier. Then he doesn't have to apply for the waiver from the NCAA um, and try to go through that whole game. Although they've been fairly uh, liberal in granting of the waivers recently.
0: (laughs) Well, it depends on what story you're spinning. Well, maybe
1: you're spinning a story that the he, he can't stay on oh, the campus oh, where the where the cops are uh, hounding him, right? Yeah,
0: attacking him. Oh, oh, you could definitely spin this one. I mean, it, uh, any lawyer with any kind of uh, real life experience would could take this and then spin it. It's just a matter of you get a judge to buy it. But these, but in the NCAA, all you need to do is just somebody buy it. It's not a judge. So, right. all right. So, sticking with wide receivers here. Let, let's let's uh, quickly move on here. Eric Kuma just releases his, uh, his top six. Kuma is a, a wide receiver that from Virginia Tech that's uh, seeking a grad transfer and I be- and Kuma is going to be one of those guys that has two years of eligibility um, so wherever he goes. releases the top six uh, like Notre Dame, Texas Tech, Cincinnati, uh, Penn State uh, in the alt- in a really awesome troll move. he lists Old Dominion <laughs> <laughs> it is top six i just i i had to look at that like four times i'm like you gotta be kidding me that Uh, reminded
1: that reminded me of when parker pedro put out a top six and like georgia state was one of the six with like notre dame and you know and some like real (laughs) top flight schools and i was like you do you parker (laughs) that's
0: a that's a nice nod to something yeah so yeah so And I I saw some of the comments from the article on it, you know, like, well, obviously it's just between us and Penn state. And I don't really buy that. I I think once a player gets in college and plays and look, Kuma's was Virginia tech's second leading receiver had seven touchdowns last year. This isn't, this isn't a, um, you know, a Freddie canteen situation. He's not injured, you know, so this isn't that, so this is, I I don't necessarily when they're in college and then they, they decide to transfer. I don't necessarily buy the well because we're well, obviously the two biggest biggest-named schools in Notre Dame, Penn State. That's where he wants to go to. No, I, I think that's you, smart. You, you mature. You mature quite a bit in the time frame for when you arrive on campus. You know, and two three years later, there might be something at Cincinnati that he really likes, you know, or the offense or the coach. I I, I don't think it's as clear cut as here's the Here's the two biggest programs. He's going to choose between one of those two. It might end up being that way, but I don't think it's quite that simple.
1: I think a lot of times when we see graduate transfers pick a school based on the prestige of that school, um, they don't end up seeing the field, or they struggle, or they eventually get benched. I'm not, you know, maybe that's just uh, anecdotal evidence based on, you know, note where some of these Notre Dame guys have have chosen. Um, but I think there's something to be said about, you know. Uh, having an opportunity to have 60 catches at, at Cincinnati versus 15 at Notre Dame or Penn State. Um, so I, I 100% agree with you. I do not believe it's about, um, well, it's a, two, a two-man race because Notre Dame and Penn State have the two best programs. I, I get where people are thinking that, but I think with graduate transfers, it's all about the best opportunity and, and, and how he can get himself on the field
0: and stay on the field. Yeah, and you know, and one of the one of those things too, you know, about being on the field is more so than with probably any other. You know, the wide receiver is dependent upon the quarterback to get him the ball. So I guess you have to look down that list at a who's, and I can t- list you off the quarterbacks. Everybody, I don't know Old Dominion's quarterback right now, for example, but I, but that is definitely something because they're not going to go somewhere where, and I, I think we saw that. You know, this was a problem with recruiting, and you know, a guy like I'm on. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown was worried about coming to Notre Dame because he was worried about Brandon Wimbush's 49% completion percentage. That was a big thing to him. And that was said throughout the recruiting process. They were so you get a guy like Ian Book who can get balls on target. You know, all the stuff we just said, I think Notre Dame is out of all those options, definitely has the best option for him quarterback wise at the moment. So I mean, you can take for that what you will, but that's part of the process. You know, if Notre Dame still had Brandon Wombush next year, maybe the, he's not as interested in going to a school where you know, you're a little unsure about the passing game. Sure. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I just
1: – I want him to either come uh, so that I can make it's not a Kuma jokes uh, <laughs> or, or if he rejects us, be like, I guess it wasn't a Kuma, you know? So <laughs> – I, I I just hear, I'm just here to make jokes. I, I wish him I, all the best of luck. If he if he picks us, then we play. Then Notre Dame plays against Virginia Tech. I I, I love that angle too. I wished uh, Freddie Cantine had stayed healthy enough that he could have uh, been awesome against uh, a Michigan, but it didn't it didn't come to pass. So
0: I you know what I think we need to do we need to we need to do a uh, a collaboration uh, a collaborative post and get all our puns out of the way before the season. <laughs> You know, what I'm saying, you know, don't sneak them in. Let's just say this is the pun post. We're, this is all the we're ones laying available. Stakes. These are all the ones available. If you would like to use them, please use them. Hashtag one foot down. You know, whatever you want.
1: I'm just saying. I mean, so this we, might be an opportunity. Was to la- the- was
0: last- Talk to me. Big pause, big pause there. Go yeah. No, last week we talked about puns, right? So. And Absolutely. First thing, what What do you do? You come on this podcast this week And you couldn't wait to throw out a pun <laughs> So I, I, think, I think we need to get all these listed And you know organized And Dewey Decimal System And get them all in order for the 2019 season So I, I think that's As site manager I'm going to uh, have to Step up my game here and, and get the orders out Everyone give me your best puns So <laughs> Alright move uh, quickly moving on here so a lot of meat uh for being the, in february without a whole lot going on um but uh you know it, it's the the 24-hour news cycle that's way college football and sports in general uh there's a lot of fun little stuff going on and and uh and we love to cover it so we're we're gonna move right, right along it's just me and Jude tonight you know it, uh couldn't get to, couldn't quite get uh anybody else from the ofd clan to, to help us out here so we'll go back to the three questions tonight and, uh, but, but with the caveat of, we both have to ask a question because of what is tomorrow, or I guess today, depending upon when you're listening to this, uh, which is Valentine's day or Galentine's day as, as Jude wanted to make sure he put out there right away, Uh, making it know that he is a friend of the woman. Uh, So, uh, so we're, we'll do three questions. And uh, like I said, the one question would be uh, about a little bit about love. So Jude, I'm going to ask you first. <laughs> so it's uh, what do you love? What do you love about Notre Dame? Um, and it's a very general question. And you can, and you being an alum probably have more, you definitely have more reasons. I believe for yourself than me uh, about certain things. So you could, Anything you want to talk about your, your days and, you know, in the dorms, uh, just what holding on right now at your age of 43, (laughs) uh, first of all, all, I'd like to say for the record, I'm 39 years old. (laughs) I don't buy it. You act way older than I do. Um, (laughs) give me your best, uh, your best love story about, uh, about Notre Dame, you know, what would make you sit down and write a card?
1: Uh, I, I, I literally could take this in hundreds of different directions. And obviously, I'm tremendously proud of, of uh, the university in which I graduated from. Um, but I want to talk about something that's happening this week that, I'm, that, that makes my heart swell three sizes. Um, and that's Jalen Smith, Troy Nicholas, and Josh Adams, all back on campus, all working to finish up their degrees. Um, I think too many times we talk about we hear from uh, people who uh, have said, I'm leaving early, but I'm coming back to finish my degree because my mother, my grandmother, my favorite teacher would never my favorite nun would never forgive me if if I didn't go back and get that degree. And, you know, frankly, I'm still waiting for some of these guys to uh, to come back and get their degrees. Uh, Jerome Bettis says that it was one of his greatest um, regrets in life is to not finish and when he, he got a daughter who was a college age um, he, he was really uh, feeling that strongly that he should have uh, done that obviously it's worked out well for Jerome he's a, extremely successful in life um, he's managed without that college degree um, but that piece of paper is going to serve them so well uh, after college now or I'm sorry after the professional career uh, Jalen Smith is still going Josh Adams is still going. I, I don't believe at this point Troy Nicholas is, is affiliated with any club. So, um, you know, good on Troy uh, for taking that first opportunity and coming back. And, and good on Jalen for fitting into his schedules and Josh for fitting into their schedules. So um, I hope their, their mothers and, and their, their loved ones are extremely proud of them. And I, I'm certainly proud of them.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, w- I won't even add anything. No comments to that. I'm 100% back you on that one. All right, so question number two. Let's dive into the AAF, the alliance, a little bit here. Um, I guess I, I was going to ask you a general question, but let's, let's keep it specific. What uh, What was your favorite uniform combination for the AAF? And and Slash, you could also tell me a, a quick, what did you think about the league's first weekend?
1: Yeah, I, I actually really liked the San Diego um, uh, uh, uniforms. I didn't get to see all. Uh, yeah, San Diego Fleet. I think they were. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't Played the that. San Antonio Commanders in the first game. I, that's the game that most of us got. Uh, it was, I was, believe the CBS eight o'clock game on the first night.
0: You liked the battleship um, on the helmet, didn't you?
1: I like, I like the uh, pretty much like the whole thing. Um, you know, the, the 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 problem is they're not familiar uniform combinations, right? And so when I when I saw the Arizona Hotshots, I said, this looks like a bad. Green Bay Packers throwback, like a rejected throwback sort of thing or whatever, and it actually kind of – I know that we've mentioned this before, but it actually kind of reminded me of the World League or NFL Europe, um, kind of some of those kind of uh, jersey combinations that you saw then. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't think the product was as good as, as the NFL, but you know what? I really haven't been watching the NFL product. I've been very focused on, on college, and so my, my intake of the AAF games was – where's great, where's Greer Martini on the field right now. Is Niles <laughs> Morgan playing? Uh, is John Montalis in the starting lineup? He's not. Okay, is he coming in with the second team? You know, and so it was a lot about um, getting a chance to see the the Notre Dame graduates or former Notre Dame, Notre Dame players uh, play in these games and and hopefully get a chance to prove themselves. Um, you know, I think some of them had better weekends than others, um, and you know. I'm hoping that this is an opportunity for at least one of them to uh, get back onto a 53 man roster for the NFL next uh, September when that happens. But, uh, you know, we got we got several more weeks and this this sure beats watching uh, NBA basketball games, absolutely. Uh, which is the final score is 125 to 121 because nobody wants to play defense. So
0: uh,
1: I'm, I'm all here for it. How about you?
0: Well, you can ask me that in your three if you like. Oh, We're okay. going to move on. I, I got I to I start laying down some rules. Okay, my apologies. We'll get into these hours. I got I to I start bringing out the dad voice. <clears throat> so you know the one. Nope, we're moving on. Uh, um, all right, so my final question for you. Uh, let's say Notre Dame gets rid of the bikes around campus, like all the line bikes, your own bikes. Bikes are basically outlawed and, like, burnt in a pyre okay okay but you need campus transportation right it's it's cold up there sometimes so what happens is is a very wealthy donor goes to the island of Sodor what, <laughs> what train what engine would you have be the engine to supply transportation in and around the campus of Notre Dame
1: oh uh, this is actually a pretty good question who and so, what? I've got I've got a couple of uh, obedient thoughts. One is who can who can hold the most passengers. And obviously, uh, Thomas with Annabelle and and and, and Annie and Claire, Claire Clarabelle, I'm sorry, um, would hold a bunch of people. But Luke could probably dart around real quick because he's one of the smaller engines. Uh, And so he could get in kind of the areas that uh, you, you, you couldn't otherwise get in. Uh, I was thinking about you today because we were watching Day of the Diesels
0: <laughs> and
1: this poor a woman really, that's
0: an evil movie
1: they, uh, this poor woman Belle they introduce her as a new character and the first thing that this woman comes on screen it's a its a female engine and they say to her the first line out of Percy's mouth you're big Belle he literally called a woman he literally, literally pointed out a woman's uh,
0: fatness yeah
1: yeah size right yeah, but and then,
0: well, what else would you expect from percy though i mean you right. awkward enough as it is
1: and then uh, i've never seen an engine do that before yeah one that shoots water from her tanks it's like she's <laughs> a, <laughs> like she's some sort of freak show <laughs> like, like they, they stumble into this weird dive bar where this woman is performing on stage or something. Uh, I think Bell gets a real bad uh, rapid day of the Diesels, and uh, I I knew this was going to get brought up, so uh, I'm going to go with Luke. Uh, he can he can't hold a lot of people. Um, but he gets he could zip you around real quick. So, so, so you're take, you're your gonna
0: go narrow gauge around campus. Yeah, I'd narrow
1: gauge. That, I I I'd go all narrow.
0: That's gauge. a true Notre Dame grad right there speaking. You you thought that out a little bit because yeah. you're absolutely right. The narrow gauge you can get smaller engines. They can do a, still do a ton of work. That makes sense. I mean I mean Scarloey would be my pick in the narrow gauge.
1: Scarloey, sure.
0: Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that makes sense. Well, good. All right. Well, those are excellent. That's an that's an excellent answer. I I. I probably would have gone with like something like Spencer just because of like the snob factor going on, like either Spencer or Gordon would be perfect. I think for like Notre Dame, just to like that, you know, you get that eliteness that the people like to talk shit about, about Notre Dame and how they act just so you can like kind of troll people with that. But they are some pretty big engines. So you are dead on. You, You prove them wrong by going the smart route. All right. I love it.
1: All right. Okay. Uh, okay. People still listening, we're going to go back to football here. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts were about eight Notre Dame players getting N- NFL combine invites, but not Sam Mustafer.
0: We've talked about this quite a bit. And uh, I just want to make, I want to take this opportunity to point out that I was <laughs> 100% <laughs> right that Drew Tranquil was going to get an invite. <laughs> and I stand by and that he is going to uh, be drafted. So I, I'm ready to prove you wrong twice over, my friend. Um, no, I I wasn't surprised, but it, I wasn't shocked, but I was a little surprised. Um, given the nature of of what they try to do with these combines, all right, they or they're, they're looking at edge rushers, they're looking at free set. They, they may be lumped into a certain group, but they are very specific in what these teams are looking for. And... Musturfer for as much as he as we have all pretty much said it, he has he took a step back this year in our views. I think Brian Driscoll made an excellent case. Um, he went by kind of step by step about the differences between Muster this year than last year and a little bit of his regression. But still center is a specialized spot. So I, I I would think that teams would want to bring him in to work him out. And so I guess I guess I am mean, surprised. I think I think it's a bit of a snub. To end up on an All American team um, and not being invited to the combine for, for a position like center seems a little off to me. And, um, you know, but maybe for Mustafa, I, I can't speak to his character exactly. I, th- I think he's a pretty close guarded individual. Um, but I, w- I kind of hope he carries this chip on his shoulder. I, some people always mention that, but not everybody does it. Not everybody puts that chip on their shoulder to motivate them and to move them. Some people put that chip on their shoulder and they lay down and die. And I I hope he doesn't do that. I really hope he, he takes this for what it really is. I mean, it's a snub and a snub is a derogatory term because it's derogatory. I mean, it's, he got snubbed. So he, he needs to really go out there and prove himself, you know, in the pro day and, you know, see what happens from there. But, you know, I I think it sucks. I, I think he was deserving of a, of an invite to the combine, um, not to get, you know, not to throw entitlements around, um, with college football players and and the NFL, but I I think he was definitely deserving of it.
1: Agreed. Um, Uh, I want to talk to a little bit about, uh, Kevin Pine. He's the cousin of our Notre Dame commit 2020 quarterback commit drew pine. And I believe he was being pursued and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, uh, fairly, Aggressively, by, by another name, uh, he picked Boston College a couple of days ago.
0: Uh, are you surprised by this selection? Uh, I am. Uh, yeah, I am. I, I'm surprised that maybe not at the selection, but maybe at the timing of the selection more, more than anything else. Um, he, this As much as I said earlier that the, all your timelines are moved up, um, you know, Kevin Pine... Uh, made a kind of an early decision as far as, I, as far as I can tell between the schools. Now, Pine is a is, there's a different uh story going along with him. I don't believe he's allowed to play football this year in high school. There was a transfer that he did, and I, I believe he's too old to play football uh for a senior year. I, I, Fascinating. I, I, really, I really didn't look too much into it, but there's a there is a From what I could tell, there's a looks like there might be an effort underway for him to be reclassified,
1: reclassified,
0: which would mean that he would be in the 2019 class. So if everyone's been paying attention, how much room does Notre Dame have in their 2019 class? Right. So Pine might have been and this is pure. This is pure speculation. I have nothing to go off of what I'm about to tell you. But I would guess that if that was the case where he would get reclassified because of because of the situation he's in, in um, you know, with high school and not being able to play a senior year because of his age and all that, that I believe that Notre Dame had a conversation with him, like they had with Lufau, where they, you know, basically, you know, a gray shirt possibility. But with Pine, with why would you go the route of trying to be reclassified if that was the case? So, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. You're still out a year <laughs> one way or the other unless he wanted to pay for a year, which, you know, Notre Dame is fairly expensive. So if you can not have to pay for it, I think people would like not to have to pay for a year in South Bend. Um, so, um, you know, the more you think about it, it, the more that I think that kind of makes sense. Like I said, that that's pure speculation, and that's just kind of what I think might have happened. <clears throat> but I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And so Boston College would be – It's he's from Massachusetts. It's right there. He's familiar. He's very familiar with the program. They were high on his list anyways. Uh, so <clears throat> if that's the case, I think that makes perfect sense for him. And, uh, you know, all the best to him. <clears throat> I, he, was, he was really touted last year as like a five-star tackle, and he really didn't have that grade of junior tape. And I'm not trying to knock the kid down. This isn't a, a sour grapes thing, but this is just what happened. This is actually what happened he was rated high he had a he had a less than stellar junior year the recruiting services dropped him down so you know maybe he's a BC guy and i'm not i'm just saying they do very well with recruits like that over the, they just historically they have done well especially on their offensive and defensive line with guys of that nature so this could be the absolute perfect spot for him and i wish him all the best but it is a little surprising you when 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 um when it's, uh, what's the first name of the quarterback? Drew. Drew. Thank you. Thank you. When Drew committed, I think we were all looking at that, not, not as a package deal, but basically as a package deal. Uh, the, the cousins are coming here. And um, so, so if you go from there to there. Yeah, it's surprising, but it is what it is. I, I, I just think that that's the whole situation the, the reclassifying room, and then the fact that BC was high on his list, comfortable, and it was close to home.
1: For my last question, I'm going to steal one from Jeff ND fan on Twitter. Will there ever be a statue of Muffet? Obviously Muffet McGraw, women's
0: basketball coach. There better be. I mean, there absolutely needs to be and it, somebody should have it built right now and it should just be waiting in a shed. So when she finally does retire, they can just unveil it on the day she retires. I mean, the woman's been there what? 32, 34 years. 32 years I think two national titles has ascended Notre Dame women's basketball into the upper echelon of the sport I mean they are an elite program and I, we use elite very loosely nowadays but Notre Dame women's basketball is an elite program so she deserves every bit of granite that we can give her um, I do take quite a bit of I have, I, I take great issue with those that say that she's the greatest coach to ever coach any Notre Dame uh, athletics. I, I think that's an absolute ridiculous notion. Um, but that's not to diminish what she is. And that's one of the best ever at what she does. I mean, she is, right. you know, it's not Notre Dame's fault. They've had quite a, they've had some great coaches, innovators, legends. Um, and she is definitely among them and she deserves a statue i've said it many times before we put the tweets out she absolutely deserves it and i I hope it's her uh walking around i hope they like paint the heels pink uh because she's that dope she's that fly so you
1: know my thought was and, and, and and i don't think this is um a sexist thing to say i hope that they actually show her in the pose that she has throughout most of the game which is that Amazing squat position that she does with heels. I mean, the amount of calf and ankle ankle strength to pull that off. I mean, I couldn't hold that pose for 18 seconds. And she holds it for, you know, uh, 60 minutes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just unbelievable.
0: She quite possibly could be the most athletic coach in Notre Dame history. Any sport. Because that takes some athletic skill. The way she... (laughs) (laughs) the way she handles the sideline there she's not squat squatting on flat feet eating grass or you know looking for a clover like colts you know she you know as men we have no idea really or some of us don't about how it is to like walk around in those heels all day long and i I mean she
1: i just can't imagine it's comfortable i mean i'm sure that after 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 years of wearing them you you sort of get (laughs) used to it or your body gets used to it i don't know Somebody who's listening to this podcast, who's a woman, please come in and just educate us. But, um, I I just, I'm, I'm amazed at her, um, yeah, her fashion sense, her, um, her attitude, her, her winning, uh, you know, persona and just all that she's done for the university. I don't think it takes a single thing away from her for me to advocate for Newt Rockney or Frank Leahy as the, as the greatest, um, name coach of all time. I, that's not to diminish anything that Muffet has exactly. done. She, exactly. she, I think we're united in our belief that she deserves a statue. I'm thinking about. I'm just thinking about the best place to put that statue. You know. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I, th- I think it's. I think it's a done deal. I think. It, I mean, I. I honest, I honestly think it's going to happen for yeah. sure. It's just a matter of when. Uh, probably whenever she. Re- I don't think they're going to put up a statue of a, of a current coach at any time, even if Brian Kelly would have won in 2012. And Last year, I don't think they're putting up a statue next for next season, you know. You no, no, absolutely but, not. I think no you I, she retires, it needs to be up by the up around the Joyce Center, obviously. Um, and I, I really hope it's dope. I, I hope they get somebody to do a a really nice job. I, I, I'd be curious to know just because looking at the coaches' statues that are around Notre Dame Stadium and the certain uh poses that they're sitting in, I, I would like to know. What exactly they're going to use uh, in that regard? That, that's interesting to me. Yeah. You know, we're, I we're mean, talking. I would
1: I would say wait until she gets inducted the the Hall of Fame. But oh wait, sh- that's already happened. So, um,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, <laughs> what is it? Wait five arbitrary years after she uh, after she retires, and then and then have a big uh, to do before a, you know on a on a football yeah. weekend when everybody's back or something.
0: You know. Yeah, but. Let's see, I can't remember when their season starts, but it should be like around senior day during football and a women's home game, play Yukon or something like that, beginning of the season. So you got the wrap up of a of a huge women's basketball rivalry, uh senior day. Let's let's really make, make it a weekend. And I hear are, what you're saying.
1: I hear what you're saying, but inclement party, weather. Dude. Inclement weather could make that a, a real challenge when you're inclement doing an outdoor weather. ceremony. So
0: inclement weather. I mean God almighty. <laughs> <laughs> Florida State was balmy. Balmy. Uh, Did you – you know, I don't know how much this was mentioned before. I, I don't know why I'm throwing this out there, but it just still cracks me up because I think about the Miami uh, Sun Bowl, you know, when they, they were, like, wrapped up in blankets like in the huddle. They were so cool. But Florida State was, was just like that during the game. It was so – fun watching the Notre Dame guys come out in nothing but shorts and cleats, and they're just, like, staring over at the Florida State guys who were just in parkas you know, pregame was like one of the cooler things to watch. And it, t- it just reminds me of how unfair college football is with the way that we placate to weather. And, you know, this is a all weather sport, right? Like unless there's lightning, this shit is played. And so all these big time games getting played in January in nice weather, you know, try that shit, you know, bring that, bring that on up here. I, I, I will only advocate an 18 playoff if we can get the first round at home. And somehow we tied that into Buffett McGraw getting a statue, but we did <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Get the woman a statue. She deserves it. This is ridiculous. Um, uh, I think it'll happen. Well, all right. Well, I think um, I think we covered it. I think we did, a, did an excellent job this week. So uh, <laughs> if I... Well, we're only about maybe an hour and 10 minutes in, so not, not, not too bad. Not too bad. Um, so just stay tuned to One Foot Down. We uh we got all sorts of good stuff coming out. Uh, there'll be a women's basketball recap from tonight, uh, going up. And uh, uh Phil Philip Goff has been doing a series. I, I want to make sure I plugged that. We were trying to get Philip on the podcast tonight, uh, but he was unable to. Um, he's going uh each week now. He last week he did uh one play for Michigan and he's going to break down. Um, you know, like uh, the biggest play or a big play that he, you know, one of the game changing moment plays, he's going to break down each one of those plays for the next 12 weeks, uh, for each one of 12, uh, uh, their 12 wins. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll, that'll get, uh, you know, put up here very shortly. And, um, you got anything else to add, dude,
1: go Irish. And until next time, enjoy everybody. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, tell your
0: friends, get in there. I mean, get come on, get get your hands dirty a little bit. Get that, get that out there. Go tell somebody to watch or to listen. So, <laughs> all right, for all of us, uh, we'll see you guys next time. Go Irish.